you're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to episode 18 in our sacrament series, our last episode on the Sacrament of Holy Orders, and our final full episode in the sacrament series. Father John McFarland is back to look at the new rite of Holy Orders. Like we've seen in other episodes on the sacraments, we'll have two areas of focus. First, is the sacrament itself valid in terms of matter, form, minister, and intent? Second, we'll look at what has changed in the ceremonies surrounding the matter and the form in the new rite of holy orders. Does this new rite of holy orders give the same emphasis, theology, and understanding of the sacrament as in the traditional rite? If not, can we see what the effects are from these changes, both in the lives of the new priests ordained and in the lives of the faithful? We'll dive into that next. If you like series like the sacrament series that we're wrapping up today and want to help us continue to make them, you can help by leaving a small monthly or one-time donation on sspxpodcast.com or by subscribing to this channel on YouTube or by subscribing and leaving a rating for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Thank you for helping us with this apostolate. Now let's join Father McFarland for episode 18 of the Sacrament Series right now. Welcome back to the SSPX Podcast, our next episode on the sacraments. Happy to welcome Father McFarland. Hi, Father. How are you? Doing well. How about you, Andrew? Very well. Thank you. So we're back to talk about holy orders for the second time. This time we're talking about the new rite of ordination. So where should we begin in, in this discussion, Father? Uh, well, I think we can point out the, uh, you know, it's, it's outside the scope of this podcast to go into the, the histories of why the rites were changed and, and so on. Um, for that, we can refer you to the whole Crisis in the Church series. Um, so what the and the exact motivations about particular changes, uh, it would be fairly hard to comment on in most cases, I think. So, I mean, we can see those certain tendencies um, and their changes are reflective of, of those tendencies. So there's a, there's a kind of mania for, for change in the, the years after the Second Vatican Council, um, leading to a, a lack of, of appreciation, even to a, a certain contempt at times for, for traditions. Um, and there's this effort to liturgically enshrine the, the ideas of Vatican II. Um, so the, particularly the anthropocentrism turning from the focus from the worship of God to the, the, the benefit of mankind, uh, especially changing the focus to the, the community uh, of, of believers that the church understood in that way. Uh, likewise, there's a breaking down of the distinction between the ordained priesthood and the priesthood of the faithful uh, and the obscuring of the notions of, of sin, of expiation, and especially when what pertains to us in, in reference to the priesthood uh, of sacrifice. Okay. Is there, was there any reason that they gave for wanting to go to, to make some of these changes? I mean, we can, we can make some assumptions and, and sometimes these changes speak for themselves, you know, ecumenism or, you know, this community aspect, but did they say any changes? Uh, they talked a lot about, you know, going back to, to ancient practices of the church and at the same time bringing up the, or the idea of bringing everything up to date. Uh, and those notions are in fact mutually exclusive. Right. So if we're going back to the old thing and having to do a new thing at the same time, what that ends up with is from one of those two things, you can justify whatever it is you want to do, uh, which is in practice what happened. Uh, you know, and, and most of the talk about going back to old ways of doing things is 
is, is lip service. Certainly in the early church, things were, were simpler. There was not the full development of the, the rites as, as we came to, to know them uh, before the Second Vatican Council. But uh, uh, really, it's, it's not going back to something better. It's an excuse to do what they feel like doing. Sure. Okay. We talked about this a little bit last week, Father, uh, but can we dive into this in some more detail since we are talking about the new rite now? Um, this, how the process of, of getting to the stage of being ordained a priest has changed the, the, you know, the, the ordination to the subdiaconate, diaconate, etc. Right. So in the, uh, traditionally there, there's the steps to the priesthood began with the, the clerical tonsure. So one, uh, became a member of the clergy by that ceremony, uh, not yet, uh, part of the sacrament of holy orders. And then you have the, the various minor orders, which there's been some debate over whether they're part of the sacrament or not. Um, porter, and then lector, and then exorcist, and then acolyte, then the subdiaconate, then the diaconate, then priesthood. And now, you know, the, so part of the reasons for that were to, to impress upon the, the mind of the, the, the candidate for ordination himself, as well as on the faithful, the enormity of the of the dignity of the responsibility that that he would receive of being ordained a priest so it wasn't just uh given quickly in a ceremony or even a couple of ceremonies but over over time over in in many cases in, in my case uh, several years uh, receiving the different orders taking those steps and appreciating more and more the, the various duties associated with the with the service of the altar uh, and eventually of course culminating in the priesthood and it, it helped everyone to understand that, uh, the faithful as well, and it encouraged the, the notion of, of that the priest is a man apart, that there's a, a separation made from, from the laity, and not, and again, not just once, not just twice, but progressively, uh, he's, he's advanced towards that, that great dignity. And you can, you know, make whatever sort of justifications that, that you want for the elimination of, of, of these steps and we, and the clerical tonsure has been eliminated. The four minor orders have been eliminated and the subdiacate has been eliminated, uh, in, in the, uh, in the new right. But it, it certainly does, uh, diminish that, that respect and, and that, that esteem for the, um, for the office of the priesthood. It, it, it puts it, so to speak, closer to the, uh, at least liturgically to the state of being a layman, which you know, I, I think is, is certainly, uh, certainly deliberate. And because that's one of the themes that we see again, throughout the, the reforms of the second Vatican council, we see it in, in the new mass, this, this, uh, obsessive idea with, with bringing the, the, the priesthood of, of the faithful up to the, the, maybe not quite to, but very close to the level of the ordained priesthood. Uh, which it it, uh, it is not right, and uh, it, it's something um, quite different. And there's there's an impassable gulf between between the two things. Right, and and again, these these ceremonies that the church has had for centuries, they're not just ceremonies for the sake of being ceremonies. There's there's a reason for all of them. Right. There's you know, right. and so just to do away with them, well, right. and there's and. 
you know, in the document of Paul VI that does away with them, there's there's little justification given except that, you know, they don't, they're they're out of date or they don't respond to the, the present needs of the church or something like that. Uh, and I, I, uh, I, mean, I think that's, that's certainly quite arbitrary. Right. Uh, and we have not seen in the, the years following these reforms uh, a great increase in in the respect of the uh, given to the priesthood or in the the, the sense uh, in, in the priests themselves uh, of the tremendous dignity that is theirs. And it's not, you know, it, Pope Francis, for example, was talking about clericalism, 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 you know, it's the priest's idea that they're something special. And it's, they're, they're special not because of, of who they are. It's not because, uh, you know, I'm Father McFarland and I'm so great and, and, uh, and look what, what I was able to do. But because this they have been raised to this uh, this office by our Lord Jesus Christ right? through the, the the ceremony of ordination, um, and and it is it's a, it's a share in our Lord's own priesthood, a, a capacity to continue the very act by which our Lord Jesus Christ redeems us, right? the the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which is you know, as the Catholic dogma, the Council of Trent teaches us that it forms one sacrifice with that of the cross. Right. The, the manner is different, but it, and that cannot happen without the ordained priest, without someone who has received this, this sacramental character on his soul that enables him to, to offer that sacrifice again and, and so to distribute throughout time the graces merited for us by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The, the, the priesthood is essential to the, to the Catholic Church and it's it uh, is again a, a state apart from that of the laity, and it, in itself superior to that of the laity. And it doesn't mean that that the priest is himself necessarily holier than than every lay Catholic, but his office is holy, right? And and he has to to strive to live up to that office, right? It's the same thing. It's the same thing as looking at any um, any other office that someone holds, you know, a, a, a police officer it doesn't make him a better person than I am or more likely to follow the law than I am, but he needs to uphold it. He needs, and so he is set apart for that purpose. It's r- very right. roughly the same thing with a priest. Right. And he has, you know, he has a distinctive dress that sets him apart. Right. He has privileges uh, that belong to him, not because, again, not because of who he is as an individual, but because of the office that he holds. Right. right? And that's, and you know, you would hold a, a police officer in the, the observance of the uh, of the civil law of a country or a state or a city to a higher standard than than the average person, and that and the same goes before the priesthood. Right. And the priest is has this dignity, but as a consequence of, of that dignity, he should be uh, held to a higher standard. Firstly, by himself, and then you know, and then by the church, and of course by by the faithful. And and in practice, uh, we are. They, the faithful expect more out of us than they expect from, uh, in terms of holiness, in terms of, uh, of knowledge of the faith and, and, and all things that go along with that, than they expect from the, you know, the other Catholics sitting with them in the pews, and rightly so. Right. Well, that's, that's kind of the broad degradation right. of the priesthood that, is, that this new rite and this new understanding of, of the sacrament has brought about. Uh, let's look at the rite of ordination itself. Um, does well, it, go ahead. Sorry. So we can even before that we you know 
you had these this progression of the, the, the orders. As we mentioned, the ones that are eliminated, what's left? Priesthood, diaconate, episcopacy. Or not in that order. Diaconate, priesthood, episcopacy. Uh, and that and that's it. So you're not even a member of the clergy until you're ordained a deacon. Uh, and they do, there still exist uh, ceremonies for um, the ministries, no longer part of the sacrament of holy orders, the ministries of of uh, of lector or reader and, and of acolyte. But in, in practice, I, I've, I'm actually not, I grew up attending the Novus Ordo, and so I don't know anybody who actually received those ceremonies. I'm sure it happens someplace, but it's not particularly common. Most people fill those functions without receiving any any special ceremony. Um, and then, so of course, all that does contribute to this desacralization uh, of the priesthood, which is one of the great themes of, of the post-Vatican II era. Nothing is holy anymore. Or rather, you know, we try to make everything holy. You know, we're holy and, and deserving of the grace of God simply by the fact of being human. Uh, and so consequently, nothing is holy. So we just, everything is, is mundane, um, you know, communion in the hand, use of, of common vessels not made of, of precious metals for mass, churches that look like multi-purpose halls, the use of secular music and liturgy, and so on. And the claim is that, that for lay people to, to truly participate in the liturgy, they have to fulfill functions that were traditionally held by the clergy, which is simply not true. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting because every, when you try to, degrade the priesthood in order to bring someone else in. That's not how that works. It, it just <laughs> right. doesn't and, work and that it just, way. And it, well, it drops the whole level. Right. So the, the priests go down and, and everybody else goes down and we just keep heading downward. Right. I, you know, un, unless there's some kind of reaction against that. And, you know, there, there certainly are. There are, there are well-meaning people. There are well-meaning uh, priests in the, in the modern church who say, you know, sort of, et cetera, who, who try to live their, their priesthood. But that that's... You know, based on a traditional understanding of that priesthood, which is not manifested by these these new rites, frankly. Right. Or else, or else, why did we change them? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm just reading um, Yoda Unum for the first time, actually. I haven't, I haven't made it all the way through before. Uh, and Romano Amerio makes that exact point. He says, every single change that has happened since Vatican II has resulted in less. There's not one mm-hmm. change. There's not one aspect of the, the church post-Vatican II that has resulted in more, whether it's a better understanding of theology or a better emphasis on education or, or it's all lessened, which we kind there, of knew, but to hear it in those dark terms, like that's true. It makes sense. Right. And it's all about, you know, greater participation of the laity and mass attendance has fallen off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's laughable. Say, so, well, now, you know, now everybody understands and they can participate. They're not even there. They've been voting with their feet for 50 years. And, you know, and the same goes for in terms of what do they understand? The individual words? Fair enough. But do they understand what's really taking place at the Mass? Do they understand that, that this is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ continued? Do they understand that he is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in, uh, on the altar? It certainly doesn't seem like it, not from the, the, the polling of, uh, of Catholics that's taken place in the the last few decades, uh, we won't rehash that here. We can refer the uh, listeners to the uh, our episode one of the Crisis in the Church series, where we talked about some of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so like we said, every everything that is all of this idea of the priesthood has led to a complete degradation of the priesthood itself, mm-hmm. not just of you, mm-hmm. Father, but of the whole institution. Right. 
So I guess now we can get into the right of ordination itself. Now that we've kind of given that background information, how how different or the same is the right of ordination, the new right of ordination compared to the traditional right father? Well, I think if you um, you know if you just sort of look superficially at, at you know what's still there, you might think, well, okay, not that much has changed at all because several of the elements of the traditional rights still remain, broadly speaking. Uh, there is still the, the imposition of hands as the, the matter of the sacrament. There is still the, the, the form is substantially the same. In the official Latin version, there's, there's, uh, there's just a change of one word, eat, uh, which means that, uh, which doesn't substantially change the, the, uh, the meaning of the, of the form, despite what certain internet theologians uh, would like to claim. Uh, there is still the anointing of the priest's hands and uh, the vesting of with the, the stole and, and the chasuble. Those things are certainly still present. Okay. Um, but there are a lot of changes, uh, even to those parts. And there's a general shortening, uh, whittling down of, of, of everything. It's, it's, a, it's a much briefer ceremony than it was in the past. Okay. Uh, and of course, the whole thing is in the vernacular, um, which is another element of desacralization. But you know, the translations may be different. Uh, the order of things may be moved around. Uh, those translations may be faulty. In fact, I can't certainly can't vouch for every translation that's been made around the world. Um, and you know, the, the the new rites are also big on, on options, options, and you know, for Eucharistic prayers instead of a canon, for example. Uh, so you have certain things in the liturgical books themselves. Say you, you could do this, or or you could do this, or you could do something else. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I spent a lot of time coming through videos of, of ordinations and so on, but uh, there, that there are crazy things that do happen. Um, but we're not, you know, going to uh, bother with that as so much as to stick with the the, the right as it exists in the, um, the official books, particularly the the new pontifical. Okay, so we're going to do similar to what we did with Father Robinson, looking at the new mass. We're we're going to try to. We're focusing on what is printed. We're going to try to give it as much benefit of the doubt as we can. Otherwise, it would be too easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But also, you know, it's um, those people who, who, you know, from laudable motives want to to say, you know, know that these things aren't bad. They're just they're just abused. Uh, They are, in fact, bad there. And then they're abused on top of that. Like even even what's official that's that's not good is is taken that much farther, but the the thing in itself is flawed. And if we get caught up in the the the, the those abuses, those you know, even further exaggerations, then we're not really making our case, right? Because what we want to say is it's it's not a problem in in the execution of this right. The problem is with this right, right, with the core of it. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so I guess we can go through just kind of point by point, um, similar to what we did last week, but let's start mm-hmm. with the, with the calling of the candidate. Uh, does that still happen in the new right father? It does okay. yep. called by name, uh, without reference to his home diocese or any, any title of, of maintenance as we had traditionally. That's not, those are not the biggest or most significant changes. There are you know, ancient traditions that are illuminated with the, with the mere stroke of a pen. There's no archdeacon in the new right, so it's the deacon of the mass who calls the, the candidate's name. Uh, and the bishop asks if those being called are worthy. 
as in the traditional right. Uh, and the response is given by, you know, since there's no archdeacon, by some, some priest who's designated for that role. I'm not exactly sure why that's the case, why it's not the deacon. Okay. Um, and there's a, there's a new response, which is after, after inquiry among the people of Christ and upon the recommendation of those concerned with his training, I testify that he has been found worthy. There's, there's no mention of, of uh, human frailty. We have this, this obsession with the people of Christ and so on um, that we see after the council. And it's just kind of very prosaic, bland sort of response, if you ask me. Um, the funny thing is, with all the obsession, obsession with the, the people, the traditional consultation of the people no longer exists. Mm. Okay. Uh, the, the bishop says to them, you know, we, uh, we choose this man, our brother, for the priesthood in the presbyteral order. And the people, then, they give their, their assent by saying, amen, but if you were present and didn't say amen, no one would notice. Um, or the, the books say that, that the assent can be expressed in some other way according to custom, which I find pretty funny because they just made this right up, you know, in the 1970s and said it can be according to custom, which means make a custom up because you don't have a custom because this is all new. Uh, the later pontifical says uh, it could be expressed in the United States by everyone standing or by applause, which are, you know, which are well-known liturgical actions. Of course. Applauding uh, in the general. Um, so, I, despite I being can't obsessive, tell, obsessively... I can't tell what you really think of this, Father. Not one bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, and despite the obsessive... Again, the obsessive talking about the people, the people, the people... Um, the authors of the new right cut out this, this traditional consultation. And, um, uh, it's just kind of weird. Okay. All right. So following that, there's, there's a, an examination of the candidate, which is not at all in the traditional right. So a series of questions are asked to the, the ordinary. I won't read them all, but to give you an idea, Dear son, before you enter the order of the priesthood, you must declare before the people your intention to undertake this office. Do you resolve with the help of the Holy Spirit to discharge without fail the office of priesthood in the presbyteral rank as a worthy fellow worker with the order of bishops and caring for the Lord's flock? The candidate responds, I do. There is one uh, of these questions that I think is quite worth mentioning. Do you resolve to celebrate faithfully and reverently in accord with the church's tradition the mysteries of Christ, especially the sacrifice of the Eucharist and the sacrament of reconciliation for the glory of God and the sanctification of the Christian people. In accord with the church's tradition, you promised to read from these rites that we made up 50 years ago, or, you know, an ordination done in 1980 that we made up seven years ago. Uh, seems a little silly. Right? Yeah, but, no comment there. Uh, and I... <laughs> And I guess this, this is supposed to replace this questioning, uh, the long and beautiful instruction that uh, precedes the ceremony of ordination, the traditional rite, that points out the duties of the priests, that calls upon the, the, the new priests to, to pursue holiness and to approach the tremendous office that, that they're receiving uh, with fear. It's interesting to note from an ecumenical point of view, the Anglican Book of Common Prayer of 1549, when it changed the right of ordination, uh, included an examination of the candidate. I leave that to everyone's personal determination whether it's a coincidence or not, um, but it seems unlikely given that everything is being justified by, by humanism. Um, 
I was going to ask and where that came from. So now we know, or we at least <laughs> right. have an idea. Yeah. Okay. And there's just a much, much less focus on God as there would have been in that, that traditional admonition. Um, the, the, the priest's duties before God, his, the, the dignity of the office that he's receiving. And there's, there's more of a um, reference to his relation to his fellow man and to the church as, as an organization. Um, but at least there are, in that questioning, clear references to becoming a priest and to offering the Eucharistic sacrifice. So that's at least encouraging. Followed immediately by, you know, even as part of the questioning, but the promise of obedience that, if you'll recall, in the traditional rite happens after the, uh, the celebration of the, of the Mass itself. Um, and just, you know, and follows on the, uh, the questioning. Okay. All right. It's, it's weird. Is there any reason why that would be changed or? in a different place or it seems like they were trying to compact the whole thing here okay uh and, and there's some you know some speculations that it's again not an emphasis on uh on the order first with its with its reference to the powers received from god and then and then later um a that that reference to the, to the bishop but rather like you're you know you're becoming part of the team now so okay uh, and I think, and that's, I mean, I can, I think that's kind of speculation, maybe a bit of, bit of a stretch, but I, it, not necessarily. Okay. It could be something more for that reason, but it does almost everything is, is compacted into this, uh, this part of the, of the mass. There's not so much at the end of, of the mass of ordination as they used to be. Okay. Before the actual form and matter of the sacrament, um, in the traditional rite, we have the litany of the saints. Is there mm-hmm. litany of the saints in the new rite? Of sorts. Okay. Uh, so it's um, it's called in the more recent liturgical books the Litany of Supplication. Uh, it is not the traditional Litany of the Saints. It has different saints in it. You can add saints, take saints out. Uh, it has different petitions. Um, you know, the uh, anything that's, that's unpopular, you know, you remove that. Not delivering to be, or pardon me, praying to be delivered from the spirit of fornication as we used to. Uh, but, uh, so kind of more or less, there is still a prostration by the candidates while this is, this litany is, is being sung. Um, so it does still bear some resemblance to the, uh, the traditional, uh, practice. Okay. All right. And then we get to the, the beginning of the form, the matter, et cetera. Um, again, changes or updates are about the same. So the imposition of hands, the same. Uh, in fact, just about identical. The, the, the bishop imposes his hands, and then the the, the priests present, likewise, um, impose their hands, and they continue with you know standing with their their right hand held until the the, the prayer of uh, ordination um, is is finished being pronounced. So there's nothing uh, to really pick on in terms of the of the matter of the sacrament. Okay. The uh, the the form. Bears a fairly close resemblance to the um, to the, the traditional form. It's, it's called a prayer now. It's not not a, a preface as it would have been formally sung in the, the preface tone. You don't know what tone they sing it in. Must admit, um, but it's not called that at least in the in liturgical books. So it's a slightly modified version. Um, and the same ideas and the same or at least similar words are present. Um, 
but at the end, they needed to, to tack on a reference to the, the family of nations or the full number of nations, depending on which, uh, which translation you have in front of you, um, that they may be one in Christ and become God's one holy people. So uh, that's new. Family of nations sounds like a very, sounds very Vatican too, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, just kind of corny. And, uh, you know, again, that, that obsessive reference, reference to, to people and, and rather than to God. Mm-hmm. So the words of the form themselves, as we, we mentioned, uh, are the same minus that one word, oot, but, uh, definitely subject to, to variations based on the translation. And as I said, we, you know, I can't vouch for all of them, but we also don't need to nitpick and find again self-styled theologians who will say that, you know, um, translating the word da, which means to give, not to give, it means give in the um, uh, imperative, imperative singular. Uh, if you translate it as grant instead of bestow, that makes the form ambiguous. Uh, that's, you know, so no, not really. If uh, they mean the same thing. If there's plenty to criticize in the new rights without having to, to make up bogus distinctions right. you know, between the translation that we have in front of us and the Novus Ordo translation on the other side. It's, it, uh, you know, give the dignity of the priesthood, grant the dignity of the priesthood, bestow the dignity of the priesthood. Do those really mean different things? No. No. So um, I think we want to avoid that kind of, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is totally different and probably invalid. Just because something something is different, uh, it kind of means the same thing, right? And then you know, but that's uh, so after the form conclusion of the prayer, reference to the family of nations. That's important, right? Uh, then we uh, the it's over the, the the matter in form. So the priests, as you would in the traditional right, they go back to their places. Significant difference here: the one of those priests who's designated for this this particular uh, role in the ordination ceremony uh, goes to the ordinand and then he there with the you know without any special prayers or anything special at all indicated in any of the liturgical books I looked at he changes the stole of the priests such that it's it's worn as a priest stole and not as a deacon stole and vests him with with the uh, with the chasuble so there's not, it's not imposed given by the bishop, and there are no prayers accompanying it. Um, here again, it might, be, it might be a question of that emphasis of, of community over authority, so diminishing to a certain extent the role of the bishop here. Uh, this, this vesting with the, with the priestly vestments is, is accomplished by uh, an equal, more or less, uh, rather than by a superior. And there's certainly a great loss of the, the symbolism and the beauty that's, that's in, uh, in the prayers. So the, the uh, the bishop in the traditional prayers talks about the, the stole representing the the, the yoke uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ being being at his service, and that um, his uh, his yoke is sweet and his burden is light, and that the, the chasuble uh, as a representation of charity. Hmm. That's interesting. It's so, I think, so it's just it's just one of the priests, one of the assistant priests of the priests that are there, just bestows yeah. it silently. Bang! There it is. Okay. Good. Um, next, we have the anointing of the hands. Uh, sim- similar mm-hmm. or different? Similar to a, you know, certainly still is the anointing of the hands, the palms. Although the the, the instructions to to form a cross across the the open hands of the 
the, the priest had been eliminated. I like to downplay the cross in the modern church rather than emphasize it as we used to. Uh, and so it's just the anointing of the palms. Is at least that's what it says in the Bible. Okay. And the the Veni Creator, the, the hymn to the Holy Ghost that's traditionally sung during the anointing of the hands is and would have been traditionally intoned by the bishop is not intoned by the bishop and it is in fact entirely optional. So instead one could sing the antiphon Christ the Lord, a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek, offer bread and wine. And then uh, Psalm 110, which is actually Psalm 109, according to the traditional Catholic numbering that we decided to abandon in favor of the Protestant slash Jewish form of numbering, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, you know, and here, you know, the, 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 you don't have the theology of, of the sacrifice expressed sufficiently. And that our Lord is, he doesn't, he's not offering, bread and wine he's offering himself right and Melchizedek offers bread and wine which is an image in advance of our Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice um, and you know to 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 say here well he's you know he's a priest and he offered bread and wine when he's the sacrifice is himself that's offering of his his own body and blood for for our salvation um, the there it's also said in the liturgical books that they can just sing any other appropriate song, oh. and probably in, pra- in practice, that means very often the singing of an inappropriate song. <laughs> you know, you know something lame and smarmy, uh, typical modern hymn that doesn't say anything and makes one's skin crawl. Right. Uh, so again, options. You know, we like to have options. We don't want to all be doing the same thing. We gotta spice it up according to, to uh, you know, maybe we'll sing, if there's one ordinary man, we'll sing his favorite hymn or what, what he asks for instead of doing the traditional thing. Um, there's uh, one prayer is recited instead of two, and there's no mention of consecration and sanctification of the, the priestly hands. Mm. We'll return to that notion uh, in a little bit. And then that, that binding of the hands, so that tying them up is, and it's been eliminated from the right, I suppose in practice it could still be done, options, but in itself it's not it's not included in the in liturgical books. Okay. Then you have again something from the traditional right, the 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 traditio, the, the touching of the 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 chalice containing uh, the wine for the for the mass and the and the host on on the patent where we touch the but what's new, of course, is the involvement of, you guessed it, the people. So the deacon of the mass re- receives the, uh, the gifts of the people. And, you know, it's like the offertory uh, at, at the Novus Ordo Mass. People bring up the, the, the matter of the sacrifice to the front of the church. It, it's a manufacturing of participation. It's not like the people actually brought bread and wine from home. It was prepared in the sacristy. It was set on a table in the back of the church, and they picked a couple of people more or less at random to carry up to the front of the church. And aren't we all better Christians for it? Of course. Uh, uh, you know, it's supposed to represent community participation in the Mass. And it's just like... Um, so same thing here is done at the ordination ceremony. The people bring up the the, the water, the wine, uh, and the host that we used for this, this traditio. Um, and so the... 
the words spoken to the, the ordinary man at this point as he's putting his, his hands on the, the chalice, the patent, except for the holy people of God, the gifts to be offered to him. Yeah, the people of God have to be incorporated. We're receiving the gifts from them. In the traditional rite, it's receive the power to offer sacrifice to God and to celebrate Mass for the living as well as the dead in the name of the Lord. Huge difference. Right. We have, on the one hand, the emphasis on the community, the people of God. Uh, on the other hand, we have this, this offering of sacrifice. And um, you know, offering uh, the gifts to be offered to him, it's not just offering God gifts, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's a, it's a much more profound notion than that you know, related to our, our need as, uh, as sinners. To, to propitiate, uh, um, uh, to make propitiation for our sins and, and not just, you know, uh, offer God something nice and then share, to, share it all together, uh, uh, a nice meal or something. Uh, and then that the, the phrase I talked about last week in the, that's in the, the admonition before the ordination ceremony uh, to understand what you what you do and to imitate what you what you handle what you touch is is put here um, in the English translation I had said know what you do and imitate the mystery you celebrate following um, this we have the, the kiss of peace the antiphon you are my friend says the Lord if you do what I command you and and other options including any appropriate song <laughs> And then there, this is followed by the concelebration of Mass. Keep in mind that there was, again, in the traditional rite, there was concelebration. Right. And it was the one time that you would do this in the, the traditional rite uh, of Mass. So the, the priest, on the day of his ordination, concelebrates with the bishop, and then he never does it again as long as he lives. In the, the Nova Sorda rite, of course, concelebration is, is encouraged, as often as uh, as possible, as often as desired, etc. Et so here there is the the concelebration, and it is you know the the, the new ordinands sort of just line up. At least in the videos I watch, they they line up with the the bishop at the you know behind the table altar, and they you know they'll alternate saying different parts of the of the mass and so on. Um, and if uh, if Eucharistic prayer one is used. And there's a special passage for the ordination mass that is included. And I it didn't say that specifically in the pontifical, but if it's not used, I suppose you just don't use that phrase. If you know, I'm going to use prayer too and get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, and it uh, also any other priests who are present will can celebrate the mass with the bishop and the ordinance because that's just what they do. Sure. Uh, which seems to kind of diminish the specialness of the kind of celebration. It's now, of course, very common. So, uh, and then at the end of mass, after the communion, there are uh, a few prayers that are recited for the for the ordinand, um, which are, in, in fact, in one of the the older uh, liturgical books I looked at, those weren't even included. But in the more recent edition of the pontifical, uh, they were there. So. Uh, Prayers such as, May God, who founded the church and guides her still, protect you constantly with his grace, that you may faithfully discharge the duties of the priesthood. Everyone answers, Amen. 
May he make you a servant and witness in the world to divine charity and truth and a faithful minister of reconciliation. Amen, etc. And then a final blessing uh, of the bishop. There's, here at the end, there is you know, the promise of obedience has already taken place. So that's not here. There's no commission to absolve sins in the sacrament of penance. Because the chasuble was never tied up like it is in the traditional rite until this point. Um, so it's not not let down because it's already down. Um, and there's no no penance given uh, at the end of the Mass as the uh, as traditionally was done in the, the, the three Masses that the bishop required the, the new ordinance to set. Okay. So overall, it's it's a so lot shorter, it. it sounds like, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, certainly, you know, the, the, the prayers, both in, in number and length, are, are cut down in, in uh, almost everywhere. And there's no te deums on it yet. And I guess I suppose you could, or you might incorporate that somewhere as an appropriate song, but there, it's, not, it's not mentioned as a part of the rite. Okay. All right, so that is, that's the ceremony in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I guess let's go back now that we kind of understand how it all goes, and let's look at some of the general issues that we've seen um, more from like a 10,000-foot view. So what would you say is, right. is one of the, those kind of glaring points, Father? Where is, where is the notion of sacrifice? Right? Keeping in mind that, that the, the, the priesthood and, and sacrifice are uh, correlative concepts. A, a priest is one who offers sacrifice. And a sacrifice is an offering made by a priest. So there, the priesthood cannot be understood without this notion of sacrifice. And of course, the sacrifice that the Catholic priest offers is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which is the unbloody continuation of our Lord's sacrifice on Calvary. Um, so the word sacrifice does appear at times, uh, but it's mentioned, the mentions are cut down and are at times ambiguous, not particularly clear. The clearest usage is actually the, the pontifical gives like sort of a, an example sermon uh, or homily that the, that the, the bishop would give at, at the ordination ceremony. And that has the, the clearest references to sacrifice and the church's notions of sacrifice. But of course, the bishop doesn't, he's not just going to read the sermon that's in the pontifical for a sermon. He's going to preach his own thing, which may and probably will have nothing specific to say on, on the notion of, uh, of sacrifice. So in the traditional rite, you have in that, that admonition before the ordination, which is, you know, and you could spend all day reading that and talking about that. It's, it's really magnificent. But it says the office of the priest is, is to offer sacrifice. And then it lists his other duties as well, you know, governing and, and preaching and baptizing. But it's, it's the, the very first duty enumerated. All the others are a consequence uh, of this all-important reality. This is, this is what a priest is. This is what he does. It's all related to sacrifice. It's often a sacrifice. Uh, when he, again, when he touches the, the, the chalice and the paten, he hears the words, receive the power to offer sacrifice to God and to celebrate Mass for the living as well as the dead. And then at the, uh, the end of Mass, the uh, blessing uh, of the bishop, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost descend upon you, that you may be blessed in the priestly order, and may offer up the sacrifice of propitiation for, for the sins and offenses of the people to Almighty God, 
to whom be honor and glory forever and ever. That sacrifice of propitiation for sin. That phrase does not occur in the new rite. Here, of course, in the traditional rites, it's extremely clear. What is, what, is, what is that sacrifice? A sacrifice that atones for sin. All those passages mentioned are not in the new rite. Uh, there's a lack of the sense of sin. Uh, no need for propitiation. These, these new ideas, the theology, the Paschal mystery, and you know, we, we just harmed ourselves by our, our by our sin. Haven't really done an injustice to God, uh, and uh, propitiation is unnecessary. We're all so terribly wonderful by the, the simple fact of being human beings. Hmm. Another concept that we find throughout this this new rite is this notion of the you know again of the community that we, we talked about a little bit uh, as we went through it. The, that anthropocentrism is the the great overarching problem of the of the modern church. You can point it at all sorts of uh, different aspects, um, different manifestations of that anthropocentrism. Um, but the focus is at least less on God and more on man, more on human beings, more on the people. And that's in this new right of ordination, there's that frequent reference to the people and not for the purposes of expiating the sins of the people as we have in the, right. uh, in the traditional right. Um, you know, the new pontifical says uh, that the, the priest is, is called to serve the people of God. Okay? And that's it's not entirely false right. because because he is, you know, the the, the the priest is taken from among men um, and uh, is is at their service in the things that pertain to God. But first and foremost, his his duties are towards God. So his his service of the people is a consequence of his service of God. So to to emphasize, you know. Firstly, that, that he's, he's at the service of the people is an inversion of the order mm-hmm. uh, that, that should be present. Right. You're not, as a priest, when, when if I approach you for the sacraments, you're not doing it to serve me. You're doing it to fulfill your priestly duties as service to God. And that means that you serve me in that sense. Right. And ultimately, that's, of course, the, the point of everything that exists right. is, is for the glory of God. It's, it's the reason for the universe. And we as human beings need to be reminded of that all the time because we have a tendency to forget and to focus on ourselves. And this is, is, uh, is not helpful as far as that right. goes. So the, the priest is at the service of the people. Like, yes, but, but right. that his service to the people is a consequence of his more important and fundamental service of God. Mm-hmm. Another example, the prayer for the anointing of the hands. The Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Father anointed with the Spirit and power, guard and preserve you, that you may sanctify the Christian people and offer sacrifice to God. Uh, a mention of sacrifice, how about that? But again, in the inverted order. Mm-hmm. All right, so, firstly, that you may sanctify the Christian people, uh, and while you're at it, well, I'll offer some sacrifice to God. Um, I exaggerate, but one has that impression, right? Like it's the people first and then God. It, it's, it, it gives a distorted notion. Um, and I, you know, I, and if it happened just once, 
in in these uh, new rights, you, you might say, well, okay, it's you know we don't want to make too much of it, but it's it's all the time. Right. It's all the time. It is. It really is. That's where the emphasis is. It's it's subtle, but it's continuous. And and I think I've said mm-hmm. I think I've said subtle many times in these interviews about the sacraments. Right. Um, there's all these little subtle changes, but like you said, there's a hundred subtle changes that adds up to something a little mm-hmm. bigger than just a mistake or something. Right. Right. And of course there are plenty of unsubtle changes sure. too. Sure. <laughs> so the, I mean, the whole thing is, is, is glaringly new. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if, if you watch a, a video of, uh, of our ordinations and a video of, of a diocesan ordination someplace, it, it's going to, it's going to look extremely different, sound extremely different. It has that, you know, the, the new one has that, that whole Nova Sordo ambiance. Uh, it's the only way I can express it. And even even the tones of voice that they use in, in reciting the prayers that in my PTSD kid. Um, but um, you know, so they they're making lots of little changes that end up being a, a total overhauling of the right to give us a new, an entirely new outlook on what this thing is. So here, is there enough to preserve validity? Yeah. Is there some mention of offering sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, is is that the is that really where they want to go with this? Is are they talking to us about someone who's being set apart from mankind to offer sacrifice and propitiation for our sins? Absolutely not. You could not read through the new rite and come to that conclusion unless you were determined before you started reading it that you were going to come to that conclusion. Right. And there's no you know here as usual there's no mention of of what kind of sacrifice. And you don't, it's not like every time they mention sacrifice, you have to say propitiation, 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 um, sacrifice for sin, but they never say it. Never say sacrifice for sin. Never talk about propitiation or expiation. And then, you know, uh, just to, you know, another further illustration, um, there's a, a priest I know who, who came to work with the, with the SSPX who had been a, a diocesan priest. And he, I think it was even after having, having joined us, he went, um, for the ordination part, he didn't stay for the mass at a uh, at a friend's ordination, to a friend's ordination, and the the bishop's homily he said sounded like you know, like like an executive or a manager welcoming a new employee to the company. It was nothing nothing at all spiritual. This again, this this kind of it's all about the community. It's all about our relations to each other, and once in a while we'll throw in a mention of God, and I. Exaggerate slightly, but I think only slightly. Right. The uh, a third thing that we see is is really a diminishing of the of the focus on the necessity of holiness for the priest. Right? Again, eliminating this this idea that the priest is a man apart. There are a few mentions, but they're and they're they're less clear. So there is still that inquiring about the worthiness of the candidate. Uh, there is still the keeping of that phrase, know what you do and imitate the mystery you celebrate and conform your life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. In the questioning, there's the question, do you resolve to be united more closely every day to Christ the high priest who offered himself for us to the Father as a pure sacrifice and with him to consecrate yourselves to God for the salvation of all? But really, there's not. they're not invoking the church's traditional language regarding personal holiness. And if we compare it to the traditional, right, that, that long admonition that we've talked about so many times, the instruction given before the ordination ceremony takes place is 
largely concerned with reminding the, the man who's about to be ordained that the, the greatness of his calling and his, his duty to work for his own sanctification in order to be as worthy as possible of, of that calling. So, and that, again, that whole admonition has been eliminated, a few little pieces of it taken out and put elsewhere. So the bishop says, truly it must be with great fear that you ascend to so high a station, and care must be taken that heavenly wisdom and irreproachable character and long-continued righteousness shall commend the candidates chosen for it. That's, you know, again, clearly spelling out these, these things. Heavenly wisdom, irreproachable character, long-continued righteousness. Right. And, and again, the ministers of his church should be perfect in faith and practice. In other words, that they should be well-grounded in the twofold love, namely the love of God and the neighbor. And again, may you thus build up by word and example the house that is the family of God, so that your promotion may not be a cause of damnation for me. That's the bishop speaking. And I'm not going to get in trouble with God for having ordained right. you, nor the reception of so great an office for you, right? that you not jeopardize your soul by receiving this, this office unworthily, but rather of reward for both, for the, the, uh, the bishop and, and the newly ordained. And that's, you know, we're talking about the risk of damnation, talking about something that has to be taken quite seriously. There are real and heavy obligations that are imposed upon the, the priest in undertaking this office because of, uh, of its great importance and its great dignity. Yeah. So, I would say overall, what we, what we see in, in the right is it, it really is a, a, a changing, a, a corruption of the whole understanding of the priesthood. Again, that, that focus on, on man and, and man is, is, is already an inherently good. We have some of the, you know, kind of ecumenical elements. Uh, we have no sense of, uh, of sin or propitiation in the, in the need for, for offering sacrifice. There's, there's an exaggeration of the importance of the community, and there's, there's no real need to do anything extraordinary to, to strive to, to be holy and to be worthy of, of this, this office of, uh, of the priesthood. And like we've talked about in, in many of the other sacraments, it's valid. The form, the matter, it's there. The intent, presumably, is there. Um, right. But If the intent is simply to make a priest as a Catholic, as a Catholic church makes a priest, that suffices. Right. But all the other things that surround it, like we've seen in almost all the other sacraments, um, well, all the other sacraments, it's just, it's missing. There's that, there's that essential part of surrounding that, that sacramental form and matter with the importance, the tradition, the richness of, of what the church has always said. And it's just, it's lacking. Not to mention, like you said, just kind right. of lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and the big question uh, is why? Right. You know, what, what has been accomplished of any value, as, as you mentioned with Romano Amerio, everything is diminished. What, what, what did really, we really do that was good that, that, we, that, that justified these drastic changes? And quite the opposite, we've, we've corrupted the understanding. And, it's, and that's not just due to these rights, but these rights are not expressive of the church's traditional understanding of, of the priesthood. Right. Well, Father, thank you so much for taking the time to go through this with us. Um, I know, like you said, a little bit of PTSD for you going back and looking at some of this from your past days, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Um, My pleasure, Andrew. Worth, worth, the, uh, 
the terrible sacrifices. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and, if, and if you need to talk to someone, I'm here for you anytime. Okay. Appreciate sure. it. <laughs> All right, Father. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend. All right. You too, Andrew. God bless you. Um, so now that we've got this done, <laughs> do you still want to do the, uh, still want to do the vocation series?